0: The second session is titled Traditions and New Horizons. We have three speakers that will follow the same format as the first, which each speaker will be given 20 minutes to give a presentation, followed by um, some questions. Our first presenter needs very little introduction to this room. He is a local boy, as we might say. He grew up in Bethesda, Maryland, and entered formation for the priesthood for the Archdiocese of Washington. He studied at the Pontifical North American College in Rome and happily completed his licentiate in sacred theology at the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas, the Angelicum. Um, so, yeah, so that's very good, yeah. <laughs> that makes up for Archbishop Bruglio earlier. So. <laughs> he was uh, ordained a priest in 1994 by Cardinal Hickey, and was named a bishop, the new Bishop of Springfield, Massachusetts in 2020 by Pope Francis, and ordained a bishop that December by Cardinal Sean O'Malley. Please welcome His Excellency, Bishop William
1: Byrne. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so if you're here to learn, out, well, learn what human ecology means, I'm not your guy, all right? <laughs> this will be more practical talk. I'd like to thank the organizers of this event for the topic, Traditions and New Horizons, which means talk about anything you want, as far as I can tell. <laughs> traditions, new horizons, I'm gonna, I want to talk about sort of the practical, a practical element. I was a pastor here in D.C., if you uh, include my time at the University of Maryland, for over 20 years. And in those years, I had multiple, multiple newly ordained guys sent to me. And it was not uncommon that they would look young and that the people, the older people, mostly the boomers, would want to call them by their first name. So they'd be like, hi Steve, thanks Steve for mass. Steve, in fact, is here. Uh, There he is right there. And yes, he looks really young and i would go up to them and say call him father steve you have to teach him how to be a father not how to be a son he knows how to be a son you need to teach him how to be a father and it would always sort of annoy me that people would presume and i and had to reflect over time and in the preparation for this talk is why was that concept the label father so important you see it comes from a genuine love of being a pastor of souls, of being a father in a community. When I was transferred from the Archdiocese of Washington, when I was appointed to be the Bishop of Springfield, Massachusetts, I entered a completely different ecclesial, uh, ecclesial context. a Growing southern-ish church, uh, suburbs, we had more um, strollers at my 11 o'clock mass in Potomac than we probably have in an entire deanery in western Massachusetts. It is a place where there are shuttled, what had been a very vibrant community, and now it's shuttered mill towns. Um, they're a declining population. Your, your graduate from Providence College or or Boston College doesn't say, I just graduated with my new degree in my hand and say, is it Boston, is it New York, or Springfield? They generally don't head our way. But that doesn't mean that there's not a community of people that that has grown up and stays and continues to live their lives. Hundred and fifty thousand of them do. But it is it means that there's a whole new shift in dynamic When I arrived at the diocese, there were no seminarians. Zero hadn't been for multiple years. Now, praise God, we're going to have five next year. Amen. Um, But this aging presbyterate, uh, the former ethnic New England towns with uh, an Irish church adjacent to a Polish church, which is right across the street from an Italian parish, um, towns with nine parishes in them, for which had been then sixty thousand, now thirty thousand people, none of, many of whom don't go to church anymore, is a is a new paradigm shift that I'm facing. Is priests having one, two, three parishes that they're trying to minister and administer, has created an idea, a dynamic whereby the uh, the laity. There are some permanent deacons being involved, but the lady needing to become part of the the duties that had typically been done by clerics in the parish. And so I believe in my sense, and whether you are uh, in uh, the Archdiocese of Washington where they're going to uh, uh, ordain um, 15 or 16 next year, or in a place like mine where we won't, there still is... a paradigm shift occurring i believe in some sense of people the lady becoming more involved and so it brings up the question of the relationship of the ministerial priesthood to the baptismal priesthood in last year's symposium at the uh on this topic at the vatican there was a father philippe Capel dumont uh in his presentation ministerial and baptismal priesthood Uh, Theological Issues and Pastoral Challenges presents an overview, a brief overview of the various theologies of priesthood. Um, Many have been reduced the priesthood to sort of this added on structure within the last 30, 40 years. Uh, And and Father Dumont concludes, bishops and priests are not ordained for the exclusive service of the ecclesial community, which is proclaimed to be a missionary community. They are themselves missionaries who are constituted as such by Christ to proclaim the message of salvation to all men in the mediation of the church, which is the institute with institute which they institute with the baptized in accordance with the responsibilities entrusted by Peter. And so herein lies a vision of the ministerial priesthood that we need to proceed that we are not just uh, doing missionary work, but by our very nature's missionaries. If we're going to proceed with some sort of a paradigm shift, but also a clarity of relationship between the two, ministerial and baptismal priesthood. In the same conference, Father Gabriel Alberti in his presentation on the significance of the Second Vatican Council and priestly renewal reminds us that a fundamental theology of the priesthood begins with the doctrinal fact of the one mediation of Jesus Christ and how that mediation is offered sacramentally by the Spirit down through history for the salvation of the world. In this this reality, he concludes, both the specific identity of the ministry of the church's mission in our time demands of priests a life as sons, brothers, and fathers in which we can all discover the church has God's family. It is, as St. Augustine says, all are to one another fathers when they look after each other, sons when they obey each other, and above all, brothers, because one and the same father calls them with the covenant to one and the same inheritance. And this is what Dr. Joan, I think, was was speaking about the, the Trinitarian um, understanding of the priesthood. But my point is simple, and I'm, I, uh, is that an authentic understanding of the ministerial priesthood in relationship to the baptismal priesthood is my being a father. And I believe that is key to understanding the right relationship of the two. During my retreat prior to being ordained a bishop, it was COVID, so I was staying at a friend's beach house uh, on Martha's Vineyard off the coast of Cape Cod, and I was blessed to have a uh, Archbishop Hebda of Minneapolis St. Paul was a dear friend and he we did a zoom retreat we zoomed in twice a day and he had me spend a good bit of the time on the document Pastorus Gragius*, which is the post synodal document um, exhortation of st. John Paul II on the ministry and of bishops and St. John Paul II writes, the tradition which sees the bishop as an image of God the Father is quite ancient. St. Ignatius of Antioch wrote, The Father is like an invisible bishop, the bishop of all. Christ is the primordial icon of the Father and the manifestation of his merciful presence among men and women. The bishop who acts in the person and in the name of Christ himself becomes in the church entrusted with the living sign of the lord jesus shepherd and spouse teacher and high priest the bishop and by extension the priest are intended by god to be spouse and father while this is hardly new news i'm sure you're not saying oh my gosh never thought of that Uh, it does give uh, a clear path for the priests, priest collaborating with the baptismal faithful in the management of a parish in the uh, whether he is alone or vicar's galore. And so I think it's important for us to step back and say, practically, what does that relationship look like? What does the relationship of a father, what should that be? In a, in a culture which has distorted and often thwarted images of fatherhood in and of itself, this becomes increasingly more difficult. As, as Father Petrie was talking about this, Notion of a of the servant leader, the model of a servant leader was one, uh, but and and that often people use the phrase, I believe, without fully understanding what exactly we're talking about. Of course, you see the foot washing uh, from from Luke, but that image of his, of our Lord taking off the outer garment, uh, wrapping the towel around, and going to wash this. Is uh, echoed in Philippians. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God. This this moment of kenosis. But is it also a full-blown explanation of how one should be a leader? And I would say no, not necessarily. It has to be extrapolated from that. But people, some priests, have the image of what a leader should be is to is to just take everything on themselves. So that a servant leader means. You come into my office, you've got a problem, I'm going to take the problem from you and now make it my problem. That's not what Jesus had in mind, all right? In 1974, there was a a, a report from the Harvard um, Business Review, uh, and it's basically who's got the monkey. People come into your office with a monkey. Uh, the tendency is to take the monkey and to solve the problem. I'm going to take your monkey from you. The problem is it's not long and you've got an office full of monkeys. And they're throwing bananas and what are kind of nasty stuff around your office. Papers are getting all mixed up. The real true leader is not going to uh, accept the monkey but teach you how to care for your own monkey. All right? <laughs> You see, a leader, a father, a father of a family sets vision and then helps with, inv- in, uh, but once the vision implementation, once vision is set, once vision is set, then the re- role shifts. The, the one who's setting vision is the one going to be telling people what the vision is, the father, the bishop, the, the pastor, the priest, the head of the youth group, this is where we're going to go. And that vision is coming not just from their own head, but from of this walking of synodality, of hearing what people have to say, of recognizing that the Holy Spirit doesn't just talk to people in Roman collars. You see, the being able to hear and then articulate the vision, but then once the moment of implementation begins, there is a, a complete shift in roles. No longer are you just directing, you're suddenly helping others to make it happen. It's like the the hierarchical pyramid shifts upside down. And I believe very much this is what our Holy Father is calling us to in his talks and frequent um, cautioning on uh, clericalism of itself, is that it's easy in a hierarchical system for people to focus up to please the leader, And that's not fatherhood. Fatherhood is not about making sure that everybody in the family takes care of dad, but making sure that dad is taking care of everybody in the family. You see, it's not uncommon in certain circumstances or even in dioceses, for there to be boss watching. So that what you're doing is creating a system of of, uh, where it's like ducks versus eagles the big duck with a lot of little ducks following around doing whatever the big duck wants to do. And that's not the gospel. That's not what the Lord had in mind. And that's not effective fatherhood. Rather, the eagle is the one that soars. And so we see this... um, I think I'm probably coming. What time was that? I got time? Okay. Okay, so... um, You know, but I think that this is where what our Holy Father is talking about, synodality, and also about what the the priest should be doing in the leadership is about hearing what people have to say. When I came to St. Peter's on Capitol Hill as a newly minted pastor, there had been a great division in the parish. And in this uh, time, I couldn't go back and heal the fight that had happened between two previous pastors there, but I could move forward. So we had listening sessions and all this stuff, and, and they said they wanted multi-generational events uh, that, they, that draw the parish closer together. That's called a cookout. <laughs> and to make it successful, a keg of beer. <laughs> And before you know it, you've got everybody working together and trying to make this happen. But see, the leader is about engaging. It's about engaging passion in the work of the parish, of the preaching of the gospel, of the vision set collaboratively uh, done. What the, pa- what the Father has to realize is that the product that we have is the best, Jesus Christ the son of the living God. We have salvation. We preach resurrection. We have the easiest, best job ever. And so we don't need to come up with a new product. We don't need to come up with gimmicks. We just need to engage the people to be on fire with that message. This uh, guy who named Gordon McDonald, who writes about leadership, asks us to consider, is it a priest driven or called? He's not talking about priest um, per se, but just any leader. He said the, the driven has the, a driven which is you don't want to be this one driven has the idea that they own everything. So this is my parish. This is my place where I am. The sheep are there to help get me my what I need done in this place. And it's fascinating because I now live in the part of the world that was founded on congregationalism. So every neighborhood, I mean, every town has big lawns with a church on it. The congregational church, most of them are closed or uh, struggling. But, but the congregational idea is deep within the heart of the people of Western Massachusetts. But I believe it's it exists in, in almost universally this idea of um, uh, of like the diocese stay needs to stay away from me, leave me alone, uh, and I uh, and I'm going to do my thing. I have uh, there's a priest of this diocese, uh, Monsignor Watkins, who is very clever with these things, and he wrote a song called "All I Want Is a Rectory," set- <laughs> Set to the tune of uh, My Fair Lady, and it goes, All I want is a rectory far away from the chancery. (laughs) Then no one can bother me, oh, wouldn't it be lovely? (laughs) That therein lies uh, one of the major issues, and I think to the point of that Catholic study, it's, it's both ways. But a called, a called father, a called priest, is I don't own anything, and all is a gift. All is gift, and we are all stakeholders in this. Part of a larger body of Christ, and obedience is part of my calling. Obedience, my obedience to the Holy Father, our obedience to each other, the priest, to the uh, bishop, the, to the, or the religious superior, you know, the true test of a, of a, of a great father is this. Do those around become wiser, freer, more autonomous, healthier, better themselves to become servant leaders? Our, last February, there was a conference of the Dicastry for Laity Family and, and uh, Family Life. And the, our Holy Father, it's really worth a read, his talk on that. And in this he addresses that he wants, he dreams for a, a missionary church. Well, he can come to Springfield if he wants one. Uh, <laughs> but of people united in mission. The lay fee- faithful, he says, are not guests in the church. It is their home, and they are called to care for it as such. Lay persons and women in particular are much must be Better appreciated for the skills and for the human and spiritual gifts they bring to the life of parishes. They can assist in their everyday language and the proclamation of the Gospels in various forms of preaching. They can cooperate with priests in training children and young people, helping engaged couples for preparation of marriage, and accompanying couples in married life. They are not guests in the church, but they're also not ministerial priests. And that's where we find our strength, is the ministerial priest doing, being the father, offering the sacrifice of the mass, and then engaging, not ducks, but eagles. Thank you. Mr. take some questions.
0: Thank you, Excellency. We have time for some questions. Father Ambrose Little. Ambrose Little. Little. Thank you, Excellency. I have a question for you about administration. So oftentimes we see administration as getting in the way of missionary activity or the fatherhood. But I think that in some ways, of course, it's central to the ministerial priesthood that we administer our parishes and our responsibilities correctly. So in what way does do you think we can incorporate
1: administration into our paternal care over our flock? And In what ways will it take away from that? Right. I mean, I do think that. I'm not a. I'm not an accountant, so I hire an accountant to run the finances of the diocese, uh, because it would be too for me to think that I could do that. It's. I, I tell my staff often, I'm the bishop of a diocese, not of an office building, uh, and so it's easy for us to get mired in that, because it's also sometimes can be. Uh, it can be more comforting, and also a sense of like well, I've accomplished this. Uh, my first pastor was from Ireland and he said, everyone should, a priest should all plant a potato so that at the end of this year, they've got at least something they accomplished. And uh, and I do think that it sometimes feels that way. Um, but I do, I believe that, I don't really like that stuff that much, so I'd much rather be out preaching the gospel and getting people, and that's the power of of engaging Lady, in uh, in the work of the diocese.
0: We have another question over here, Father Gregos, Archdiocese of Washington. I know when we were speaking this morning about the relationship between priest and lady, I thought about the statement St. Augustine says, "I'm a Christian with you, a bishop for you." How does this statement, if anything, fit? fits with what you said. Who said that? St. Augustine.
1: Oh, St. Augustine. Repeat the quote again. He
0: said, I am a Christian with you, but a bishop for you, for the community. How would you, do you think anything's correlated?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying, but in a pithier, more clever way. (laughs) Um, it is Saint Augustine. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is Saint Augustine. So I give you credit for that. Uh, but uh, that's exactly the point of of creating a, of being at the service of others to to have the multiplicity of their gifts be be manifest. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is going to be our way out of evangelization in places of missionary dioceses is to engage the faithful. And this is what I say at at, at every confirmation I do. I'm here, I always ask them the question. I say, listen, if I were to show up at your high school dressed in my Mitre and Crozier and ask the principal to speak to your student bodies, what should that principal do? And they always say, let you in. And I always say, no, they should call the police. (laughs) I said, because I'm armed, first of all, and that's not my world, that's your world. I don't go to your school you do and and in a certain sense the more we can empower everyone to believe that that's and that's my job as a bishop to to try and make sure that they understand the dignity that is theirs we have another question over here when we last met uh, Bishop it was in the parking lot of St. of uh, Holy Trinity Church in Springfield Greenfield Uh, in Greenfield I happened to be there just after the uh, moment of the great handshake was introduced into the liturgy. And as the priest turned and said, uh, let us offer each other a sign of peace, nobody moved. They just stood stock still. How do we uh, translate that into uh, uh, the congregational attitude? Oh, I don't know if they, I mean, I think we did have a pandemic and, I never really like shaking people's hands to begin with. But uh, <laughs> so I think that um, I think that there are ways uh, I think that I think the can- congregational attitude manifests itself in, in many ways. That might be part of it. I'm not sure. But um, but it is what, what, what I do think is an interesting thing is Greenfield is one where we had to take two parishes and merge them and two radically different cultures, not radically, but certainly different cultures and have them be engaged as one community. Uh, and and part of that was overcoming the sense of congregationalism that exists in, you know, this is mine, not yours, as opposed to ours. Thank you all Thank very you, much. Excellency.
0: Thanks for listening to this lecture on the Thomistic Institute podcast. The generosity of people like you makes this podcast possible. If you enjoy these talks,